and welcome to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives, where I chat with creatives of all different mediums to get into what really inspires them. Today, I'm excited to welcome Kelly Van Ryan for the special bonus video episode, also streaming on YouTube. Kelly is a trans model, actress, and personality, and has appeared in numerous film, TV, and print projects. And Kelly was actually one of the first people I met after moving to Los Angeles in 2019. We worked together on a documentary series called What It Takes about part of Kelly's transition journey. Welcome, Kelly, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Super excited to hear from you. It's been a couple of years, you know, pandemics kind of changed everything. We've all moved around and life has changed. First question, can you tell us a little bit about how your journey into the entertainment business started out and what inspired you to pursue a career in the arts? Absolutely. Um, so I started in entertainment in 2005. This is before the era of kind of reality television took off. Um, so I started as an ice girl for Jimmy Johnson in NASCAR in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. I worked with him as basically pouring his ice in his cups uh, on a NASCAR strip to pay my way through modeling school, which was John Casablanca. At 15, I moved to L.A. Um, with $2,000 in my pocket and pursued, of course, the Hollywood dream and um, got there and it was not what I thought. It wasn't, you know, glamour and glitz and it was, you know, very dirty and uh, it was real. And so, yeah, I started then and um, had my first big break with James Stinson, who was a famous photographer in LA um, in 2007. Wow, so how did you meet him? How did, how did that collaboration come about? I was, you know, when I started out in the business, you know, as a young, you know, 15, 16 year old kid, you know, you can't really get an apartment in your name. You can't get lights, you can't get water. Um, but when I had met James, I was actually um, a dancer. I danced at a club called Girls, Girls, Girls on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, which is, you know, a big song for Molly Crew. Girls, girls, girls. Um, I, I was dancing there. It was a little bit different than it is now, you know, with when it comes to age restriction. Uh, and I did have a fake ID, <laughs> um, but I was an, I was a stripper slash escort. Um, I didn't really escort as far as um, being intimate, but I did escort men to dinners, parties. You know, it's not about sex and people don't realize that. But he was doing a documentary on girls who wanted to be famous in LA and at this time, I had some problems. You know, I'd been in LA for about a year and a half, two years. And, you know, of course, when, you, when you're when you a kid, you, you get into trouble. And I had made some wrong decisions and I was in a taxi and I had seen this long line of people. And I was like, oh, you know, like, oh, there's a line. I, I'm, I'm too famous for that. You know, uh, this is a person that is arrogant and young. You know, I'm a kid living the dream. I'm, I'm, I'm basically supporting myself on ramen noodles, alcohol, and a good spirit. They were closing the doors, and I was smoking a joint in the car. And I remember I was so stoned, I looked, and they were closing the doors. And I was like, wait, wait. And um, they let me in. And, you know, they had auditioned, I think, like 400 girls that day, and they didn't find their story, right? Mm -hmm. And I walked in and I'm stoned and, you know, I'm all glammed up and blonde and just look like a pretty girl from North Carolina. And he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from North Carolina. He said, I want to make a movie about you. Sit down. Mm -hmm. So he paid for an hour. That was the agree. It was $100 an hour. 
and it turned into nine hours and it turned into a contract the next day of a year. And that's kind of what jump started my career because we were the first, you know, reality, I guess, um, portraits because that was in like early, like the first, like January, February of 2007. You know, Kim Kardashian, the surreal life, if you remember what that is, that really started kind of later in 2007. That was really the peak of reality television. And the only difference between them and me is, you know, I was poor. I was poor. I came from North Carolina with nothing. And I, you know, I didn't have the looks and I just had, you know, this beautiful personality. And the bonus thing is I was a trans woman. And, you know, I, I have been very fortunate that my mama always says God had a good day when he was making you because you're beautiful. She said, if you were not born a trans woman, you would have been a drag queen. <laughs> but um, yeah, that jump started my career and it was, um, it was a blessing and a curse in the same sense. So what was it like working on that? You said you had a contract for a year. So was he following you around, shooting you? How did the final product come out? So, you know, when you're a young girl in Los Angeles and you're, you're striving to be successful, you will sign anything. And in this time, I don't want to sound old, by the way, when I keep saying it this time, but it was different. It was different. In 2007, when you get offered a contract at $100,000 a year and you're broke, you know, you're going to sign it because people don't realize in entertainment, when you sign a contract for a production and it's a paying production, you get the funds up front to get whatever you need, whether it's the curtains, the chairs, the Botox, whatever you need to make it look what we're filming about. They give it to you up front in a contract. And if you don't fulfill your duties, you get sued. <laughs> so it pretty much started kind of normal. It was, hey, we're going to show up at 12 every day. If you need to, this is before I had surgery, but if you need to tuck or, you know, put on your makeup, cover your mustache, whatever people in society think happens, do it, right? They don't really know me. They just seen me in, you know, a portrait view. Um, so they started showing up every day at 12. You know, of course, I'm like, you know, glam and, you know, push the titties up and, <laughs> you know, make, make it, you know, as glamorous as I think that LA is glamorous. It started out with them putting, you know, cameras in my home and asking about my life. And I didn't have a problem with that until I realized that they had actually put a hidden camera in my bedroom. Mm. And this is prior plastic surgery. So, you know, you got to think I've had, you know, no face work done. I haven't had reassignment surgery done. There was a lot of things that I didn't want people to know. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was my bit. It was my private life. And that's something intimate that I should be able to share it with someone. So I, I had found this camera. So we were filming and it was just generical stuff. What'd you eat today? Let's film you doing your makeup. Can I film you taking a shower and a famous shot in the trailer, which is the only thing you will be able to see is me in the shower. And that's actually like the third day of us filming. It, it, it was interesting to me that for the first year, it was kind of generic. And then another year came and they wanted to renew for two more years. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. So how much am I getting? You know, of course, my first year was 100000 And, you know, my second year was going to be another 200000 Well, I had already had a big head. 
because I have a full camera crew now and I have, you know, a production and a production assistant. And, you know, they, they, the, the thing about entertainment, what really sets it off is when you're walking and they hold the flashlight and they say either talent walking, actress walking. I mean, that just lit me up as a entertainer. I didn't realize that I wasn't really entertaining anyone but them because there was no real way of, there was no real thought of where this project was going, right? That, that we don't really know. It was just going to be a documentary that was supposed to be a year. Now we're renewing for two years. But they were giving me my Hollywood experience, which was, you know, everything paid for, um, trips, shopping sprees, whatever I needed to look glam. You know, I wanted some Botox, you know, a nose job, you know, a little bit of lipo here, you know, because back then it wasn't big on tits and everything. You know, that was like an 80s thing back in 2008, 2010. So I signed it and I had had a really bad drug addiction, if I can be honest. So you hear about these things and you're thinking, you know, this can't be real. This is not real, right? I mean, as a kid, I don't, you don't even think about it when you're from, I mean, I'm from a little town of, you know, probably 700 people right? I mean, Thomasville, North Carolina is probably one of the smallest towns, and I've been to 42 states in the world, right? And I say states because I've been to many more out of the country. You know, it, it's, it's, it's so southern and small, but it's so sacred because they're stuck in time, but they're happy. <laughs> and, you know, that just wasn't me. And so, you know, I wasn't used to living next door to a heroin dope dealer. I wasn't used to living next door to Anna, who was the, you know, escort with the long red nails. I wasn't, I didn't know what that was. And, you know, my first real escorting experience was a girl named Stacy who lived below me, who was the first transgender person I had ever met. I didn't even know I was different until I met her. And, you know, she's the one that kind of introduced me to what we call the boulevard. And it doesn't really exist today. It does, but it's it's different, honey. When I was in LA, the boulevard was where you went. It was different to have them there every day. And I think after about two years, you start seeing my hair grow out, my eyebrows grow out. And you start seeing the drugs start to take over this person they originally started filming, which was a Southern girl. So that, of course, and you know, as, as a producer, and you know me and you're close, I mean, you spent time with me in my home, you know, I let you film me without makeup and my sideburns, and there were so many beautiful things you captured that was the real Kelly. She's a human. She's a person. She's not this person that you see that's standing with the security guard and is, you know, raising money for charity or being glamorous. You know, you, you, you got to see the best part of me, and I I trust. I liked you enough and trusted you enough to do that. And I, I think personally, you've done it well. Thank you. Personally. Yes. But after about two and a half years, I started to break. You break a character. You're portraying a character because it's a camera, right? You know how that is. You see it. Mm -hmm. You see someone who, oh, they get to be an extra. or Oh, they get, you know, the first student film or, you know, a small, you know, short film. And, and some people eat that up. I get it. They, they're going to pose and, you know, they're, they're going to be hungry for the camera lens. And um, I had gotten really bad and I went home and my mother was like, you can't go back. And I was like, I have to have a contract. So I went back, of course. It got really scary. 
um, my last year of the contract, um, I didn't want to sign. I wasn't mentally prepared. I wasn't healthy. I was probably, I'm 185 now. I have no problem saying that. <laughs> I'm 185 now and I'm 5'8". I was probably 120. So think about what you see right now, right? And think of that. Like I was death walking. I had wanted to rest because, you know, in between filming with James Stinson, I had done Dove and L'Oreal and I had done all these commercials, right? I had done all this background work right? I was making money. I was living okay mm -hmm. and sending money home to my parents. But mentally I was just, I was sleeping three hours a day yeah, for four years, for, for four years, you know, people don't get that. So the fourth year I kind of left LA and went home for a little while and it got pretty dirty with uh, what I seen Hollywood and production goes into. Well, I know you mentioned, you know, kind of the importance of being real. And I know when we were shooting what it takes, it was definitely very important to portray what the real experience was and not just, oh, here's the sort of glamorized, simplified Hollywood version. So would you say that experience is kind of what made you want to be able to just be and portray your authentic self? Absolutely. I mean, I, I let you film them cutting me open. <laughs> I think that's as, that is, you know, as I mean, even in Hollywood, we don't talk about plastic surgery. We're not talking about it. But I wasn't I wasn't trying to hide it. And I think when I had thought of the idea, it, it's something that I didn't even think it was going to be anything besides, OK, I'm going to get this surgery. People would know until I had met you and you kind of helped me get into a vision of let's make this something right? Let's make this into something. And that turned into, let's make something. And, you know, me and, you know, we donated every single penny. I tell people like, they're like, oh, like, it's cool. You have a $12,000 pair of tits, but it's like, wait a minute. Like, there's a lot about background. You don't understand that me and this producer director have done. At the end of the day, we served our purpose. People reached out to me globally about just how beautiful it was because, you know, people had been following me for years and they had this perception that I'm this stuck up, arrogant, oh, we only see the good Instagram pictures and she's doing this lie. But you actually provided the realness. And like I said, when I saw that camera and I forget what episode it was, I believe it was episode two, we're paying for pride. I see my sideburns for the first time on camera. And I was like, huh, it looks, it looks, it looks good you know, and me and you having a normal conversation about Splenda. And it, that's the beautiful part. And that's what I really wish people would go and watch this film on YouTube and appreciate that you get to see the realness of the masterpiece of creating it. And, you know, we worked really hard on that film. You know, we, we spent a lot of time on that film and figuring out what was the angle and, you know, going back and forth, sharing a drive which, you know, to me, you know, showed that I cared about you and trusted you because, you know, my whole archive of life was in there, you know, and you've seen it. I think, you know, what it takes is probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest things I've ever done for myself. So um, what it takes was, it, it's something, you know, me and Catherine went back through in our mind of what our title was going to be before we even really knew. Mm -hmm. But um, I really just wanted to help trans girls figure out how you can get your surgeries for free or financially at least affordable. 
I at least wanted to show the process of doing research and going through consultations. It really was a moment for me to allow someone new that didn't know me, you didn't know me. Mm -hmm. And the film kind of showcases a trans girl who is trying to figure out one, how she has the surgery, two, how she financially affords the surgery. And then it actually showcases uh, the actual surgical procedure to actually showcase what it's like. Because for me, it was a new experience. And, you know, I, I wanted to let people know that you can do this. You know, I, when I had restarted in LA, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of money. I wasn't broke, but I wasn't rich. And in LA, I mean, come on. I mean, everyone in LA can relate to this, but the film really showcases a girl who is just on her journey. You know, she's, she meets a point in her life to where she's been that young, fun girl, but she wants to transform into a woman. And I, we only filmed it to help people understand the process, even the allies. It is, a, it is not like, oh, okay, I'm married and my husband wants bigger tits. No, it is not. I don't wear things like this and, and dress up. This is me. This is who I am. It just made me want to film it because if I was that girl and I seen someone, oh, she's relatable. And I think you pulled that relatable character out of me. Because, you know, you have to go watch the film. You know, if you see my Instagram and who I am, you see this beautiful girl, but I'm a person, right? I want Splenda. I, I have sideburns. <laughs> it's, it's a really beautiful short um, series um, that really just showcases the day in life of the process in a trans girl. And I show it to people all the time and people are fascinated by it because People don't really understand the thought that goes into mm -hmm. becoming who you are, you know, and doing exactly what it takes to become who you are. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's kind of hard to figure out what that is sometimes while you're on your journey and just trying to find the next step, trying to become you know, the best version of you. There's just, there is a lot that goes into that and just trying to find out who that is. I mean, looking back, I know I've definitely changed so much over the last couple of years, you know, and especially, you know, goals, dreams, et cetera, since I first moved to LA too. And I've only been here since 2019, but I mean, it is such a great place to just really reflect and figure out what you really want. Absolutely. And, and, and the beautiful thing is I tell people all the time, you can have anything that you want anything you just have to do it it's going to be hard like if you want to go for something that you think is going to be hard then it's going to be hard it's going to be rough at times but you know I, I think with that if you're going into entertainment my advice always hold on to who you are because when all that fairy tale and you go home and the eyelashes and the wigs come off you have to sleep with that person if you can't look in the mirror and say hmm I can go with you to bed every single night, then you're doing the wrong thing. You can't lose who you are because when we did, you know, what it takes, it wasn't to become anyone else or for attention. It was just to become Kelly. And that's why I never touched my face and, you know, transitioning because I personally wouldn't want to look in the mirror and see anyone but myself. I always tell people, they're like, well, I don't understand. How are you born that way? I said, I tell people like this. Imagine looking into the mirror and seeing who you are as a person, but in your heart, you're someone else. It's different than a disability. I don't consider trans being a disability. A lot of 
people who are not our allies will say, well, you're mentally unstable. Absolutely not. Because let me tell you something. I will tell you today, cut off your hair and be a boy. Cut off your hair, grow your hair and be a girl. You could not and be happy and be who you are because that is not who you are. But when you're a trans individual trapped inside of a body that is not yours, it's, you're screaming, you're dying. And you would rather, you would rather not be here than be who you are. And I was blessed enough not to have that upbringing. I did grow up, I will say, and a lot of my trans friends say this, I did grow up in an atmosphere where I didn't have to not be myself. My mother supported me. You know, I, I didn't have the best upbringing. I mean, I had, you know, family members that didn't accept me. And, you know, I was bullied in school. And, you know, I was the girl that was not popular. And, you know, I got beat up and had my jaw broke at 14. And, wow. you know, people don't even really know. But, you know, something that even the film didn't capture with James Stinson is... I left North Carolina to pursue, I always wanted to be a star. I knew I was meant to be a star and help people. But the real reason that pushed me was because I had my job broke in sixth grade and everyone brushed it off. All the administrators, the principals, you know, I was, I had a hate crime done to me and it pushed me. But the funny thing about that is, is, I got a call probably in 2013. I was probably a year sober from drugs. And I had got a call. I was on Facebook. And this individual who broke my jaw reached out to me. And he had had a whole revolution of life, right? He's a good person now, right? And he reached out to me. And he said, I just want to tell you, I am so sorry for what I've done to you. And I said, let me tell you something. There's no need for apology. I forgave you the day it happened. Why? Because we were young, you weren't that knowledgeable of what trans people are. And I said, baby, let me tell you the person I am. I forgave you the day that it happened. And, you know, that taught myself a lot because, you know, people don't know, right? You see this girl, I still deal with medical conditions with my jaw and my face. You know, I mean, I still have a popping, you know, but I didn't hold on to something that was the hardest time because if it didn't happen I wouldn't be who I am today mm -hmm. right if it had not happened I may have not had that courage to buy that you know $200 back in round trip Greyhound ticket and when you're waving away to your mom on a bus and she's letting her 14 year old kid go to LA by herself if she didn't let me go, something probably would have happened to me. I may not be filming this podcast because it was a different time. And it's not saying it's 40 years ago because this is only like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But in North Carolina, it was a different time. And I think that's why she let me go so young. And people were like, well, your mama didn't love you if she let you go and get on drugs. Let me tell you something. My mother is my best friend. <laughs> that is my friend. She's known me the longest in this world. And it taught me a lot because, you know, when I forgave this person, I wanted this person, don't hold on to it. I get it. You didn't kill me. Yeah, what you done was wrong. But it, I get it. We were kids. 
you know, and that whole situation of how that happened, there's a whole story behind that. You know, my life's always a story. <laughs> there's always something that, that needs to be foretold, but it's, it's something people don't know about me. You know, they, I worked that hard and put myself in that much danger and signed those stupid contracts because in my head, I had to make it mm-hmm. and can't speak too much on it. But, you know, it, it, it turned into an amazing film that won a bunch of awards and it helped a lot of people. But it also, people don't get to see four years of addiction crammed into 52 minutes. I got that. That's what kept me sober because, you know, it's not a film that anyone can see anymore because I own the rights of it and it's, you can't get it anywhere because I own it. I paid a very pretty penny for it too, but it, it, it really showcased me, uh, damn, you know, like I had it all. I could have been amazing. Right. It wasn't my time. I was successful. Yeah. It gave me a name, which is the name everyone knows now, but it wasn't my time. So people don't realize life works out the way it's supposed to, if you let it. I really want to showcase my purpose. And I really want people to understand that I am here. The reason my purpose is here is to be who I am, whatever that may be, a show, a conversation, a resource. That's my purpose and why I'm here. My purpose is to let you know that life is a fun time and life is a journey and it's a learning experience. And I just want to help people. I've never, ever been in entertainment for a dollar. I've given a lot to the community. I've given a lot to individuals in the community. And when we filmed What It Takes and we filmed the donation portion, that was because I wanted to showcase the inside of a small nonprofit business that offered people like me a resource, somewhere to eat, somewhere to get clothes, somewhere safe to sleep. That's why we showcased the Trans Latina Coalition. I wanted to make sure that we were able to make an impact. And that is my purpose is to make the impact and, you know, letting people know that, you know, we may not be like you, but we're just like you. Yeah. And at at the end of the day, I mean, entertainment, it's kind of all about the diversity and it's so important that people feel comfortable being who they are and that this industry on the whole is accepting of people who are different, because I think that's, that's where we get our best art and that's where we change the world because, you know, if there's no movies with trans people or gay people or people of color, then people are going to see all those movies and they're not going to, you know, they're going to think that that's normal, but if we're seeing everybody and you know seeing what's real on screen and in the stories that we share with other people then I think that will change the world one step at a time because people will see that this it's normal and there's so many different people out there and it's okay to be who you are exactly and you know a real reason why I wanted to do this podcast is you know tomorrow is the anniversary of the Orlando shooting that happened in 2016 which killed 49 LGBT people in a club. We're in this world right now where we're in so much violence and gun control. And I don't want to speak too much on it because I'm not knowledgeable about it. But one thing I can say is we all have been dying for a long time. 
And at the end of the day, if I can showcase you to show you that I'm real, I'm breathing, I'm a person, that's what I'm showing you. That's why I do these. I don't do these for money or a financial compensation. I do what I do to let you know, stop hurting us. Let me walk in and just be me. And, you know, that is the real risk. That is the real reason why I will continue to do entertainment in my own way is if you understand that I'm not a sex symbol, I'm not your fantasy, I'm not, you know, a freak. I am a person and that's where, you know, in the day that we live now, people need to remember and understand, you know, we live in a different world and Transgender people are one of the number one categories of people in suicide and unsolved mysteries. And it's because of the knowledge. You know, we do what we do to, to knowledge you on people like us. This life is so short. Who cares? Who cares? It's important for people to understand the different diversity in transgenderness. Mm-hmm. Not just from trans to straight, but in trans, I, you may, I think you did an interview with someone that we've seen, you know, who may have been a producer or a, a singer or a makeup artist. And now you have a retired actress. I mean, you're showcasing the real and that's beautiful to me. That's why I wanted to be a part of it. You know, the one thing that I can share with people, be kind, be open. And if you got something sitting on you and you want to do it, go for it. Because what's stopping you? No one but you and your own thoughts. That is so true. I mean, it's always easy to think of a reason not to do something when in reality, you know, yeah, that's that's what's stopping you. All the, you know, kind of that doubt, that negativity, and especially the world we live in where social media has become so big and we see so many people who look like they've got it all together or like they're perfect, they're successful, or they're already doing it better. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just need to, yes, you need that passion that, you know, yes, I really want to do this and nothing's going to stop me. Absolutely. And what can, I mean, think about it. And people in entertainment, you see they're in, you know, sexual misconduct or they're texting the wrong age range or they're getting divorced from a famous celebrity or they're in trial for a celebrity. I mean, come on, look at these people. But the ones you don't hear about and the ones that you know are successful are those people that go into it, you know, wholesome as a person. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to have that. And, you know, I tell people all the time, they're like, well, you weren't on this. You weren't on that. Let me tell you something. I'm a real actress. You don't need to hear about me because I've done it. But what I'll tell you is if you want that screen time, go ahead. But I meet people that in my life to where they will give me that in return for what our purpose was and again our film on youtube what it takes is showcasing a real girl who is a queen on social media but in reality who is your next door neighbor she's a girl who is working at target at the time and living her life in la and is trying to make a film to help people like that's what it was our purpose was to create a film to help people and to help people have resources. That's why we've done what we've done, what it takes. I think it, it definitely achieved that. I mean, if even a few people watch that and think, oh, 
I didn't know that I could do that or, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's okay to be myself. And I think we definitely achieved what we set out to do. Absolutely. <laughs> so last question, what are you working on next and where can we follow you? What's next? I think next you will see Kelly in a new form. Gee, I want to get into helping people make films and documentaries. Um, that's really it. I mean, you know, if I get a call tomorrow that there's a role for me, I'm very selective, but if it's meant for me, then I'll do it. And if you want to follow me, you know, I'm on Instagram and that's at the cat's meow with six W's of course. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and for being here. It was so wonderful to talk to you and catch up. And I'm very excited to see what you do next. Thanks. And thank you for having me, Catherine. Thank you so much for listening to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Shots with Catherine. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help us grow, head to our Red Circle podcast page and donate to the show and get a shout out in a future episode. Be sure to tune in next week when I'll be joined by Lisa Matthew, writer and director of the award-winning short film Caged. Thank you so much again for listening and catch you next week.